0: This is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Turn in your Bibles, uh, if you would. Do you love the Word of God this morning? You love it? Okay. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, if you will. Uh, For those of you that were not here last week, uh, we started a new series on living the anonymous life. Uh, We looked at the life of Christ Uh, The unseen hidden years of 12 to 30. Uh, The reality of his life being that he knew he was the son of God and yet was restricted in some way to declare his true self to the world between the ages of 12 to 30. 18 years that we have no reference on. Um, We also within that considered uh, what Arctic scientists call the iceberg equation. Uh, that's basically uh, this idea that only 10% of an iceberg is seen above water. But they've also deemed that there's structures that are pretty much indestructible. And we, we superimpose that equation upon our lives. 10% seen. 90% unseen equals an indestructible life. Uh, the challenge is uh, working on that unseen part of our lives. The anonymous part of our lives, the part that no one sees, the hidden part. Uh, Just about 10% of Christ's life in Scripture was visible, seen, public, and captured. Um, Imagine that. A a God-sized mission pulsating in his heart, but he was not free to explain it, proclaim it, actively pursue it, onlookers only saw the tip of the iceberg in Jesus' life, who he truly was, and they could have never imagined the indestructible greatness that's growing just beneath the surface of what they saw, the unapplauded life of Christ. And yet, all the while, imagine this, Jesus at 22, 23, attending funerals. Jesus at 25, 27, walking by sick people that he could have instantly healed. What is that like? To intentionally, purposely wait, day after day, month after month, waiting for Father God to say, Today's the day. And that then led us as a a body to ask ourselves the question how do we respond to God's not yet? What could be a delayed destiny for us? How do we respond? Growing, what's growing in the gap? What you thought your life would look like and the actuality, the reality of what it looks like. The gap between your capabilities and your potential and your current reality. Boy, sometimes that can be a a chasm that exists there. How do you respond to those moments? This morning, I would like to take a look at Jesus' coming out party of sorts. He makes his way down into the water to be baptized by his cousin. He, he arrives seemingly out of nowhere. And yet we know that great maturing and growth had been happening in his life up to that point. Maybe, uh, maybe you've experienced at times in your life where you uh, were promoted or you moved somewhere into a new position. And there's this attitude that you just out of nowhere. Well, look who's just arrived out of nowhere. And what you want to say to them is you have no idea what I've been preparing, the work that i put in to get me to this point. People had no idea what Jesus, for 18 years, had been in silence working through. I'd like to look at this passage, Matthew chapter 3. Very familiar passage, Matthew, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. How many know when Jesus says, no, we're going to do this now, you just kind of go, okay, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do that right now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. That's a good move. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said this. This is my Son, whom I love, and with Him I am well pleased. Perhaps, like me, you've never heard an audible voice from God. Uh, but if you could, imagine, if, if you could, what would you want Him to say? Uh, what, what would you want Him to speak over your life? Or, or maybe less than a declaration, maybe you would look for him to offer an explanation of sorts. Uh, your loved one died because... Um, or, or maybe you would desire an answer to a, a burning prayer, a burning question. Yes, he or she is the one. Right? <laughs> or maybe you would prefer direction or, or guidance. Yeah? My child, right? takest thou the job. Right, the writing on the wall. We want him to show up on the doorstep. right? <laughs> or, or maybe prophetic insight into the future. In five years you will be doing... How many would like to know that question? Yeah, Yeah, see? If your ears were going to hear God's voice only once, what words would you love for him to speak? Matthew chapter 3. This is my son whom I love. And with him, I am well pleased. A few observations this morning regarding this statement. Three elements that exist in this declaration over the life of Christ. Number one is this. This is my son. I want you to notice there, it's first relational. God's first public words were neither directional, go here, or instructional, do this. No, Instead, he instills in Jesus confidence by reminding him who he is. My son. At times, this confidence actually caused Jesus to ruffle the feathers of the religious folks of the day. He often was reminding him that he was God's son. Which also meant that he was claiming in their day to be equal to God. John chapter 5 verse 17. Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day. And I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. John chapter 10. Jesus answered them, Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do what my father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles That you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Jesus understood that he was the Son of God. And that reality was spoken over him from the very beginning of his public ministry. First relational. The second element of God's sky-splitting statement. This is my Son whom I love. He's secondly committal. Following his declaration of relationship with Jesus, Father God, next he affirms his commitment to Jesus. In addition to being his son, Jesus always is also his beloved friend whom he treasures with tenderness. God the Father. He reiterates this idea, the need in all of us to be accepted and loved and for someone to, to be committed to that love no matter what comes our way. This, for us married folks... This is what you commit to, to your spouse. For, for better or, or for worse, I'm, I'm committed to this. First element was relational. The second, committal. The third speaks of God's approval over Jesus' life. This is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. With what is God the Father pleased What what is he approving of? I mean, at this point, what has Jesus done? God sounds this affirmation above Jesus' life. Before Jesus has ever preached a sermon, enlightened one mind, before he's healed one body or saved one soul. These loving words are spoken over Jesus before the timeless teachings, before the dramatic deliverances and the many miracles. I believe... The words that God spoke over His Son were spoken over His hidden years. God declared His full acceptance and pride over what Jesus had become through the anonymous season. In unseen places, Jesus had been making unrecorded, unapplauded choices that had prepared Him for everything that was to come. The choices He had made before the Jordan River were certainly going to influence the choices He made after the Jordan River. Through Jesus, we inherit the same affirmation from above. For God is still shouting these words of love over His children, even before we are recognized or celebrated, before we make the grade or make the news, before you even make dinner, before we get the promotion, even getting out of bed. Father God is already declaring over us because you're His Not because of any stunning accomplishment, but because of whose you are, because Jesus or His. I have to to believe that this certainly was not the first time that Jesus has heard these words from His Father. But it was the first time in a public setting that He's heard these words. I wonder... I wonder if Jesus would have fully believed these words being spoken publicly if he had never heard them prior to that moment uh, in his hidden, unseen private years. As a father of four, I can tell you that the consistency of the words you speak over your kids' lives is extremely important. And when the private doesn't line up with the public, it can cause confusion, sometimes even bitterness, and it can lend itself to the pursuance of a performance-based affirmation. It's like, it would be like a father who only told his son that he loved him when other people were around. Can you imagine a child living in that type of environment? All day long, he longs to hear the voice of his father commending him, affirming him. Maybe in some, some cases, just simply recognizing his presence. All day long, he performs, trying to engender his father's love towards him and the expression of that love. And the father never says a thing. In isolation, there, there's never the, the stroking of the hair or the chin cupped in the hand of the father. There's never the looking deep into the eyes of his son saying, I, I love you. Never. Until the father and the son get in a crowd. And then the father goes, man, isn't this a great kid? Even even the smallest child would recognize the incongruence in that. Why? Because when what happens in public never happens in private, it simply doesn't hold weight. I want you to get that. When what happens in public never happens in private, it loses its validity. This, this holds true for marriages as well. And I just, I just say to the married men here, she, she doesn't want to be your trophy wife in public when she's your minion in private. I just saw a, a wife elbow her husband. Um. Being your helpmate doesn't mean that she's at your every beck and call. When you're most concerned about the public perception and not recognizing the moments for private affirmation, my friend, you are setting yourself up for a distant, bitter spouse. Why? Because when what happens in public never happens in private, it loses its weight. Jesus was convinced of his father's commitment and his approval of him in the public setting. Why? Because these were words that had been spoken over him for 18 years in private. We have no no way of knowing how often he echoed these words to Christ. Interestingly enough, this is not the first time or the only time in Scripture that these words are spoken over Jesus in a public setting. Matthew chapter 17. Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah. This is the transfiguration. Jesus is talking with them. And a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said this, This is my son, whom I love, with him. I am well pleased, listen to him. This is the nearing of Jesus' public ministry, and the same message bookends his time here on earth. He hears and is reminded of his father's relationship, commitment and approval at the beginning in a river valley and at the end on a mountaintop. Likewise, for you today, whether you find yourself in a valley, a low point, Or on a mountaintop. His message to you remains the same. You are His child. He loves you and He's committed to you so much so that He gave His Son for you and He approves of you. You you qualify for His grace and mercy. No matter where you've been or what you've done, you qualify. Think about that. Just think about that. Allow God's affirmation from above to echo in your soul today. Listen to what He's saying to you. I love you. My child, my friend. You you are my treasure. And I'm, I'm so proud of you. Is there anything else in the world that our souls truly need to hear? For those that might not have experienced a, a loving, healthy relationship with your earthly father, emotionally unavailable, detached, abusive, disengaged, simply not even there. You have a hard time possibly believing that you have a Father in Heaven that that loves you, that treasures you, and yes, that is proud of you. It's quite possible that your your relationship with God has been hindered, difficult to accept, or or maybe even non-existent, due mainly in part to an unhealthy father-child interaction. Your perspective on what that relationship looks like has been marred, or at the very least, it's been marked. Hear me. I'm, I'm not pretending that I have even the slightest idea of the pain or the, the heartache that you may have endured. And I'm not expecting you to just flip a switch and erase what could be horrible memories. What I am suggesting and commending to you today is that you can open yourself up to the possibility that you can experience the love and acceptance and approval of a Heavenly Father, one that won't abandon you, one that is fully interested in you, not what you can provide for them, one that is intimately involved and integrally aware of who you are. Psalm 139 captures this in such a way you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, You are there. If I make my bed in the depths, yes, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will be not dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb and I praise you because i'm fearfully and wonderfully made someone maybe someone today needs to be reminded you are fearfully and wonderfully made you you quite possibly have told yourself that you aren't very wonderful You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. Imagine... The grains of the sand are the thoughts of God towards you today. Only God knows us perfectly and intimately. He understands our desires, motives, thoughts. Nothing about us escapes His notice. In fact, God knows infinitely more about us than we'll ever even know about ourselves. God also knows what is going on in the lives of the people around us when we come in contact with them every day. He knows what their struggles are. He knows the answer to their problems. He not only knows about us, but He will never forget us. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15. I will not forget you. See, I have ingrained you, engraved you on the palms of my hands. This, of course, is the reference. The engraving on the palms of God's hands is the prophecy about the death of Christ on a cross. Christ submits to death because of his love for us. The nail holes are eternal reminders of what what love he has for us. No wonder, no wonder we can have the assurance that he'll never forget us. During, During hidden seasons, it can seem like your parents do not hear you, your boss does not respect you, your co-workers do not understand you, It's devastating to realize that almost no one knows what you are like on the inside, the dreams that you're dreaming. They see the the 10%. The tip of the iceberg, friend, take heart. Remember, God knows how you were formed as our creator. He not only knows how we're formed, but he custom designed us for a unique purpose. He not only designed us, but he knows exactly what we need at every moment. Hear me, though. Whether you find yourself in a hidden season today or not. The message that God is speaking over your life is no different. Sometimes sometimes we have self-imposed limitations on our futures. People that have been forgiven from things in their past, people that have even accepted the forgiveness and grace of God our Father, can't accept it from themselves because it's not being offered. If, if God has deemed you forgivable and usable, who do we think we are to say otherwise and limit him? God deems you forgivable, usable in his kingdom. Some of you, maybe in your heart, in your spirit, you need, you need to say this. God says, I'm forgiven and set free. God says, God says, I'm forgiven and set free. In hidden seasons, God is our only consistent audience. Others, they come and go. Only He always sees. God alone realizes our our full potential and He comprehends the, the longings in our souls. When no one else is interested, let alone impressed by our capabilities and dreams, God is still wholeheartedly, with fatherly pride, shouting his love over us. Anonymous seasons, they afford us the opportunity to establish God as our soul's true point of reference. If we resist underestimating how he treasures our hiddenness and we take the time to decide whose attention and acceptance really matters in our lives? It's a good question. Whose acceptance, whose approval really matters in your life today? What, what voice do you long to hear? It's, it's amazing how much weight we put in people's approval of us. Isn't it? How, how much we're concerned of them accepting and, uh, and approving us and speaking of that Whose voice do you long to hear What what percentage of time does God's attention seem to be enough 80/20 70 50/50 I wonder I wonder in my own life if God feels like I believe he's enough Here's another question for you as we close. Whose, whose voice is getting in the way of fully believing what God is speaking over your life? Whose voice? Whose voice is getting in the way? Whose voice is louder than God's voice? Yours? Uh, it could be a parent's voice. It could be a spouse's voice. It could be a, a, a former friend of yours. Whose voice do you hear? That makes it very difficult to hear God's voice of relationship and commitment and approval over your life today. Listen, find your comfort, find your security, find your identity in the words being spoken over you by God the Father. Listen, this is my child, my son, my daughter, whom I love. With you, With you, I am well pleased. Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at 10.30 a.m. right next to Wilson Central High School. Or check us out online at connectchurchtn.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.